0: Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. I'm your host, Scott Livingston, and this is where I explore the influences that have shaped the lives of our incredible guests. These are the stories of lives worth talking about. Follow me on Twitter, built by Scott, and Instagram at KingOpain, or link up with me on my Facebook fan page, Scott G. Livingston. My goal is to empower and inspire a community of people who take every opportunity to live a high-performing life. Before I get started on today's podcast, I want to take a moment to connect you with my sponsor, ReconditioningHQ.com. If you're a therapist of any kind listening today, have you ever found yourself wondering why your patient's issue is not resolving or why it keeps coming back? If you're someone who helps people achieve their health, fitness, or performance goals, have you ever struggled with their pain getting in the way of success or wondered why they keep reaching plateaus they can't overcome? Or maybe if you're in either of these worlds, you view the other world as uncomfortable territory, a space where your abilities end and your need to trust is challenged. Reconditioning is the place where these worlds intersect, the place where each world becomes tangible and familiar, where misunderstanding and fear of the wrong move are replaced with confidence and creativity. The reconditioning process is powerful, it's provocative, and it has become a sought-after capacity in the human performance world. In the first week of September, ReconditioningHQ.com releases the R-Pro series, a four-step turnkey process to integrating the worlds of therapy and performance. Four steps, one mission, to make you the reconditioning professional everyone wants to work with. For more information about the R-Pro series or any one of our empowering courses, head over to ReconditioningHQ.com and use the coupon code r Pro 2021 to get $50 off any one of our products and take advantage of our free five hours video that takes you through our groundbreaking method of improving mobility. I'm excited to have my friend Brad Thorpe and his company Isofit involved with the Leave Your Mark podcast. His mission is the same as mine, helping human beings live better lives. He doesn't want to see you let an injury force your retirement from the sport or activity you love. For decades, physiotherapists, athletic therapists, and chiropractors have recommended isometric strength training to help speed up rehabilitation from injury and included it in return to sport protocols. I know I use it often in my own reconditioning process. Whether you are goal is performance enhancement injury prevention or injury recovery the all-new isofit msk takes athletes from the therapy room to the podium to learn more visit www.isofit that's isofit with a p-h-i-t-m-s-k dot and remember to use the discount code leave your mark three separate words to save five hundred dollars off your isofit msk purchase I want to thank Greg Lawler and Matrix Fitness for being a long-standing sponsor of the Leave Your Mark podcast. Matrix is indeed leaving a mark on the fitness and performance industry today. In the last 20 years, Matrix has become a global brand that employs over 7,000 people worldwide and delivers over 500 products catering to the medical, fitness, and athletic performance markets. Matrix has a wide range of programming solutions and they are dedicated to creating deeper partnerships with their customers everywhere. Matrix has many ways of making a relationship work for you, the customer, and offers rental and various financial incentives to assist the financial constraints of adding premium equipment during this time of inconsistent revenue. For more information and free consultation, go to teamupwithmatrix.com forward slash CA. That's teamupwithmatrix.com forward slash CA today. Hello and welcome to Leave Your Mark. Uh, this is Scott Livingston, your host. And this week I'm doing another performance conversation with Dom Gauthier. And we are lucky enough to have Matt Young in the house uh, joining us today. And I'm going to let Matt introduce sort of his background. But the synergy and the rezone Detra for this conversation really today was to talk about athletic uh development and you know the lack thereof to some degree nowadays because of things that have changed in our environments uh trying to do better as a as a community in canada and beyond and uh matt is a you know an impassioned leader in this area so first i want to welcome you uh, matt and i'm sure dom does too and maybe you can just tell a listener uh, a lot of people in the human performance industry that listen to the podcast uh, about yourself and what what you're sort of all about
1: well, thanks, Scott and Dom, first of all, for having me on and, and providing this platform for people to learn, connect, learn, and share. Um, I come into the where I've been today, long journey uh, in my life. I grew up playing all sports, graduated with a degree in kinesiology from University of British Columbia, and then we got into the personal training space. Um, it was kind of early, so ninety late 90s, and it was where everyone was trying to kind of be the best trainer. And it was the guy or gal with the six pack and, and really the value was all about the trainer. So we came in and said, why don't we make the value about the consumer and, and put the focus on the, on the, on the customer. And so we did, we, we ran that business for 20 years. It was franchise business and super successful. I think our differentiating factor was, it wasn't about losing 10 pounds or getting a bigger chest and biceps. It was about what have you always wanted to do from a physical fitness perspective that you either hadn't prioritized or didn't think you could accomplish? And Mm -hmm. we would get people into our gyms, and we would make that happen. So every year, we took 75 people to Machu Picchu. We hiked the Grand Canyon, beginner, intermediate, and advanced levels down and up in a day. We would... Um, go hiking in, across iceland basically you came in and said you wanted to do something we were doing it with you so um wasn't a job was a great experience learned a lot about business the hard way uh, through that got into coaching when we had kids and really realized the same some of the same issues that were happening in youth sport were the ones that were happening in, in the personal training business it was all about the celebrity coach the celebrity parent the celebrity club and their celebrity kid um so there was nothing to no, nowhere to go but up from there so just started instilling and bringing over some of the business concepts into sport um making it about development focusing on the experience focusing on the families as consumers um you know really making it more than just a transaction that happened you know sign up pay this buy this swag do that see you later don't talk to the coach 24 hour rule um Kind of, no, that's not how it should work. That's not how a a system works. And uh, so rolled out some models and concepts and and tried them ourselves first. Had success. um, Shared them with other people. Uh, They had success. Got uh, asked to join and sit in on the Physical Literacy Advisory Board for British Columbia, Alberta, and Canada. Um, Got tapped in 2018 by the United States Olympic Committee and Paralympic Committee to create their activation and accountability framework for their athlete development model. Um, I think everyone in the sports sector, in youth and amateur sports, I mean, we've got the right idea, but we don't treat it like a business, uh, a properly running business. So uh, that's where we've come in and, and added some context, color, and flavor to that. And just really how do we solve some of these issues, to your point, Scott, at the beginning, Uh, how do we solve some of these issues instead of sitting around just bitching about them or instead of just continuing to let them go unchecked. So I've become that guy uh, that, that, that uh, speaks, that, that follows the whole, if you see something, say something, I actually do it. I think it should be more than a feckless campaign. I think we need more people speaking out uh, without fear of retribution of what's going to happen to their kid or, or their experience or, or what have you. Um, And we really need to just, uh, use sport as the vehicle for human development that it was designed to be. So I think that's as as condensed as I can make it without boring the listeners, um, but uh, happy to be here and and, and chat all things sport. Well, not, not boring at all. And, and if you can even backtrack, like when you say you were
2: coaching and your kids were involved in sport, is that like multi-sport? Is it like one sport in particular?
1: Or Yeah, Dom, well, because we had experience in the fitness business, we got called on to coach every sport. So basically you started coaching uh, soccer and hockey and 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 we coached all year round so we started coaching in June and coached right until uh, or sorry September and coached right until June so lacrosse baseball flag football hockey soccer everything uh, you name it we coached it oh wow and you started in Ontario right I saw uh... started off in Ontario at U- University of Toronto and then graduated from uh, University
2: of British Columbia OK, so when you you ran your business with all these crazy adventures, like was that based in Toronto at that point or you're back in Vancouver? We started that in Toronto, too, but it was largely based in Vancouver. OK, nice, man. I love the idea. You should still do that. Yeah, it's still
1: going. Yeah, it's still Oh, it going. is. OK, cool. Yeah, we, sold, we, sold in, we sold before the pandemic and it was taken over by one of our first franchisees and, and it's still going. OK, yeah, I like the idea to train with an
2: objective in mind of something crazy to accomplish for people. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, well, I think, you know, um, a little historical context on the B210 side, I don't work in the organization anymore, but worked with and in the organization for a long time. And one of the, you know, it started off, off as sort of a top. Top model where we were looking at how we were going to, you know, bring the best athletes to the the successful outcomes that they deserve to have. But in doing it, we rec- started to recognize that fundamentally the problem was we were not generating um, enough athletes out of our development system um, that we could actually get excited about and support uh, through a, a tangible process. And we started to recognize a lot of the holes that were there, and that's where the idea of Active for Life as sort of the underpinning third piece. Of, of B210's uh, process was started to grow. and I know Richard Monette, who uh, who's been sort of spearheading that, has done a lot of great work. I don't know if you run into Richard as well, but um, you know, there's been a lot of influences, let's say pre pre uh, cell phone. <laughs> on our on on the health and well-being of our young people and 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 the training that they engage in and stuff one of those being you know the lack of phys ed or phys ed being sort of diminished in in school Um, and then as you talk about in your ted talk uh, a lot about the idea of how there's been a lot of call it the monetary uh, outcome of success in pro sports, being a driver for parents to put their kids in sports. And then, you know, it's all about the elite, elite and and constant, you know, you've got to play in that sport so that you can get better. And it's driven this sort of very – uh, diminished model of of athlete, or kids getting athletic and experiencing lots of different things and being very focused very early. And then you bring that into these last 15 years or so where the cell phone and the iPad and the computer has become the greater and greater distraction for our kids, and I'm living this right now with a 13-year-old in my house, is... You're now even fighting that as a as a distraction to activity and physical uh, physical engagement. So, what have been some of your you talked about the programs you're doing, and what has created success that you think needs to be um, explored to a greater degree or or some oomph behind it to change this tide? Well,
1: I don't know if we have an hour to
0: cover that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I was like, whoa, uh, I, big I think and it's beautiful. A, let's, let's do it. Away. We have an hour. So. Got to be audacious. There's no pers- pur- purpose otherwise. Right? Yeah. Uh,
1: well, Scott, it's a great, it's a great question. And it's not, uh, it's not one thing. And that's one of the things that has plagued uh, our ability to have a solution is that we, everyone thinks it's one thing and, and mm. a silver bullet solution. It's not, it's silver buckshot. So you look at, you look at culturally, Um, You know, we we value our health care, but I'm not sure that we value our health. And it's got to really start there, Uh, because if we valued our health, we would not be doing a lot of the things that we're doing, whether it's processed food, whether it's um, just allowing our kids to be uh, placated uh, on their devices for six to seven hours a day. Uh, we, We just wouldn't be doing that. But if you look kind of in the different stages, maybe it's easier to break it down. So free play. Um, zero to five, you know, we don't allow kids just to go and play and explore on their own. We're, we're super hyper helicoptering over them, making sure that they don't fail. But failure is where you develop that resilience. And then not just the physical resilience, it's also the neurons that are connecting, problem solving, et cetera. Uh, Dom, Scott, and Matt are at the playing pickup basketball uh, Matt fouls Dom. Dom goes, hey, you fouled me. We have to sort it out. The, uh, there's no one coming in to tell us anything. Mm-hmm. We're, we're learning through that process. So that's kind of the, the free play and, you know, running along and, and jumping and, and falling down and failing. You're learning about your body. You're learning about your mind. So kind of zero to five, that's a big, big issue. Parents need to step back, let their let their youngsters explore, let them go do stuff, let them fail because that's how they're going to develop the resilience Then when we get into the kind of 5 to 10 years old, we've got the introduction to school, we've got marginalization of physical education. So no more specialist phys ed teachers, um, quality daily physical activity, even though it's legislated. There's no mechanisms for accountability to that. Um, Phys ed uses, uses a punishment sometimes. Uh, Some of the phys ed teachers that we have uh, come across only get, you know, three hours of or three to six hours of coaching actual phys ed instruction before they become a phys ed teacher. That would not fly in science, math, English. Um, So so that's a big issue. And and when you don't have that free play and when you don't have somebody else teaching you uh, how to move properly, activity, movement. It, you don't, you're not experiencing the joy of that. Um, you don't have the fundamental movement skills, run, jump, kick, catch, throwing. If you don't have the fundamental movement skills, you're less likely to get into the fundamental sport skills. So if you can't run, jump, kick, catch, or throw properly, you're not going into baseball or putting steel blades on your, on your feet and, and <laughs> going on an, a sheet of ice. You're, you're not doing that. And that's what we're seeing incompetence yeah. as kids transition. So they quit. So that's the statistic of 70 kids quitting sport by the time they're 13, 70%. So if you got 40 million kids enrolling in sport every year in North America and 28 million are quitting when they're 13, I'm not sure that would fly in any other sector the way it flies
2: in. Sport. Yeah, mm.
0: totally.
2: and you used a North American number. That was my question I had for you because when you refer to the lack of fees visa- teacher or how we value it i'm in the states right now because uh, my wife studies uh, in california and we're spending the year our kids started school last week actually would you say is it better worse or the same uh canada versus the states as what we do in school for these kids between five and ten years old
1: i think i think dom it's there's always exceptions so there's always someone sure. doing some good things there's, a, a, there's a
2: private school at
1: 20 grand a semester that will do it right but right for the, normal, the normal people, people. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think there's a difference in the norm between Canada and North America. I know there's not. And I know it's not okay. it's not different in Liechtenstein where we were in 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 Stamps where that the special school in Austria they had to lower the standards because the kids that were coming up to your your point at the top of the conversation hmm. they didn't they didn't meet the entrance standards that the kids from 5 and 7 years ago so they had to drop the standards. So instead of increasing what we're doing on the front end, we keep decreasing the standard uh and we're going to see that in sport over the next five to ten years we're going to see some of that uh, those so do, do you have a model of a country that does it
2: right or at least better than what we do in north america uh, for that age specifically
1: I five think, to ten yeah i think the scandinavian countries do a great job i think the okay. scandinavian countries prioritize activity movement and health i think their 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 spaces are designed for that um, walking cycling you look at they walk around, they cycle around, they prioritize that. I think culturally it's a big deal. Um, when we were in Norway, it's a rite of passage. You're, you're, you're going on that ski jump, whether you want to or not. <laughs> I mean, if you don't go on the ski jump, uh, it's just like not <laughs> having an iPhone in North America. Like who, what are, <laughs> so I, I think some of those countries that still are small enough to control that culture, yeah. uh, do a better job. Like in Sweden, you know, when you talk about academies and, and they, produce some really good NHLers, some top NHLers per capita. You know, the the article was, why the hell would we let a kid go on a travel team and leave our community to play hockey? That's just absurd. Um, why would we take a great kid and a leader like that out of our community? We want them in our community, so we just need to make our community sport better instead of leaving to go find better mm. places elsewhere. So mm. I think those, those ideas and that rationale and thought process is, something we can all learn from Uh, last one uh, last one I'll say Dom is Iceland so you know their whole philosophy is the best coaches coach at the entrance to oh that that I love I I
2: keep saying that like we're putting all the money and I was a national team coach I was paid much more than the provincial and the regional coach And man, they are more important. I don't know, you can reverse that if economically on a big country like us, it's possible. But to me, that's like, that's brilliant. That's what it is. They're the ones who will hook those kids, you know, to develop their passion. It doesn't really matter about the skills that much. Just make it fun, you know, push them to be the best version that they can be. And then, you know, from that, we won't lose all the kids we're losing right now because we have like, And sometimes it's not like the coaches, I think, are are poorly intentioned. And sometimes they're just not the right person for that job. Uh, I mean, not everybody can coach a 10-year-old, you know. Like, not everybody can be a grade one school teacher. Like, you just need special people for that. But we don't value them. We don't pay them. And therefore, you know, we only have the national team people that are paid reasonably well. Uh, And that is a completely, completely big mistake that we're paying the price. So I'm happy to hear Iceland is doing it. I didn't know they were uh so we definitely need to copy and model that and learn from them for sure easier being a small country probably though like i mean as far as population goes yeah for sure but
1: you know you look at like iceland soccer a couple of years ago they, they were at the right, right they have four hundred thousand people We've got 35 million. When's the last time Canada was at a world cup? Like we're for all of the soccer stuff that's going on, what we're doing, and I'm not bashing soccer. It's a great sport, but we, it, it, that, just that allows us to say, Hey, is there a better way? Can we do something different? That's really all we need to start doing and having the courage to follow through on it.
0: One of the things that um, I want to splinter off of this is, um, it's just the different groups that are doing this stuff, and I had um, John O'Sullivan on, who I don't know if you've heard of John, but he has put playback in the game. Um, Richard Monette, who's with uh, you know the Active for Life program. We've got all these different groups, and I'm I can't can't tell you that I'm aware. Dom would have, be, have greater awareness about what the different groups are. But I remember when we started doing stuff in Active for Life that there was some, I would call it, political dissonance between the the organizations that are out to sort of somehow support all of this, but then they get sorry, into, Matt,
2: Matt. Matt doesn't know anything about that study. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> i'm setting uh, the table because yeah. you know it seems like we almost have a fight between the people who want to fight for the same thing right and and that becomes an, another limiting factor to this message messaging uh to the community at large so maybe you can bring some some context to that like who who are the players out there and maybe what are some of the the things that are getting in the way of us strategically bringing one one voice to this messaging and and actually moving the rock a little bit and Instead of everybody punching at their own weight, so to speak.
1: Such a great question. And it's, it's, I'm really glad you touched on that. It's, it's not just a Canadian issue. It's, it's a North American and global issue. What, what happens is you get really well-intentioned people um, coming to the table and they want to do a, they want to bring a solution, but there actually hasn't been anyone that brought a solution. It's a lot of campaigning, and that's what we do well. We do a lot of PDFs. If there was a gold medal for PDFs, Canada would win. Um, we 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 go back and we keep doing the same things over and over. More research to study the problem we already know exists. We get the research into the into the solutions that only work over here. They don't actually work all the time in live situations. Um, and then what we do is, it, you know, we follow up and we do more research and we, and we get funding. We, we have to, we have to ask ourselves as a nation, what do we want to do? And then we have to do what we don't do well in Canada, which is get uncomfortable and make people uncomfortable and say, this is the accountability to this. Otherwise you, 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 you know, there's lots of people that are making great livings, preaching and telling and, and saying, and the talk is great. Where's their impact? Because, There's been organizations in our country that have been around for, and we won't name them, for decades. And and they are touted as the authority on A, B, C, or D as it it relates to physical literacy, as it relates to sport, as it relates to uh, getting moving and active. Millions and millions of dollars, yet every year we have a failing report card. Why do we keep using those organizations? Why do we keep funding them? Why do they keep doing the same things? It's time for new... Uh, new blood and I'll, I'll give this example to you two because it's most recent than it was right in front of us on the biggest stage in the world in the biggest game ever christine st Clair gave the penalty kick to someone younger and and more qualified than herself that is the epitome of of leadership that's what needs to happen in the sports sector we we need to start passing the torch people have done a fantastic job of bringing, raising awareness, raising the issues. Now you need someone at the table that can execute someone that's got the courage to execute uh, the ability to lead. And, and that's, what's going to take us from where we are now to the next level. So, if we keep running it by, you know, well, the Canadian government's going to release this grant, and you got to apply for the grant, and it's, you know, they want to keep the government wants to keep it with the same people that they've already funded, so it's just more of the SOS. We call it the SOS, the same old stuff, um, and 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 we're seeing that. We're seeing the results of that. We we need a change in our overall ideology and philosophy. Um, otherwise, you run the risk of, you know, this isn't a hard issue to solve guys it's Mm. not hard we know what needs to be done we just lack the the courage and conviction to do it at a coaching level at a management level at a leadership level we just lack the the conviction to do it at at the government level maybe the big problem there because
2: ultimately they're the ones who can if if they were you know i was going to say if they were the right people if they had the courage if they had you know um the, the will to really make a change uh, ultimately from what I'm hearing from you, there's so many groups. And I mean, I know the names you're not mentioning. And if it's not someone that just, you know, puts their fist on the table and just say, this is enough, we're going to, you know, change this. And here's how we're going to go about it. It's, it's never going to happen. It seems. Uh, and it never has. So, so it, I'm, I'm a good believer of bottom up, but in this
1: case, it seemed like it's got to be top down. Uh, i think think it's and and dom i think it's a really good point that you make it's i don't think it's one or the other i I don't think the government should be involved i think i I, I, well trust me i'm not a pro-government into
2: everything i i really am not but it seems that this 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 pulling and turfing and territorial war um if it's not someone from above that just comes and and says enough um i don't see the end of this but i'm totally with you I, i don't want people from government being
1: involved in programming like at that level, not at all. But so, so Australia cycling, uh, best example of what we're talking about right now. Um, I, I can't, I can't remember. I think it was um, they took. I'm going to say 180 boards, um, 13 CEOs, uh, and I can't remember what the other metric was to one CEO uh, for cycling. Mm. 13 board members and uh, one organization because it just, it the, the hierarchical glut that has become sport management in our country and in most countries, um, again, lends to more of the problem than a solution. Mm-hmm. So so there's, again, lots of examples of organizations and, and countries that have said, and the government said, Dom, to your point, you're not getting funding unless you consolidate. Right. Because why are we having... Sport Australia over here and AIU—I can't remember what it was called. AIS, AIS. yeah. AIS. So yeah. Get, get your stuff together, or you're not getting the funding. So that—that's the top down, and then the bottom up has to agree to that. And there's some really good quotes and stats, and they—they they basically said you got to believe in your cause uh, so much that you put it before your personal agendas. And everything that we tell people to do in sport um the the young men and women that we lead through sport uh participants you know be, follow along be a team trust the system etc we are unwilling to do at the administrative level put yourself before others we are unwilling to do that so mm-hmm. we're always going to have this friction yeah. because at the administration at the administrative level we're not actually practicing what we're preaching uh, and it's going to catch up to us it has caught up to us
0: totally. yeah i want to unpack that one for a second. Um, and and sort of if you with the background that you said you have with uh, Iceland Sweden the Scandinavian countries etc my impression over the years of working in performance sport which is not unlike development sport in the sense that what happens is government gives money you have to create belts and braces so that the money gets properly appropriated, which creates administrative roles and positions. Oftentimes, these administrative roles and positions actually are higher paid than the ones of the people who dig dirt in the trenches in order to make things happen. That's just sort of the nature of having people who uh, are in that world of, of, of business management, et cetera. And so a lot of the, the money ends up being top heavy in organizations. Um, and so and this is reason raison d'etre for why B210 existed was to get the uh you know the money to the athletes. So have you seen solution sets? Because it always seems, and you just said it about cycling, was you know, they cut all these so the the limiting factor, the courageous act is to say we're not gonna have so many jobs available for so many people who are gonna work in this industry, right? Um what what have they done in Scandinavian countries to Hybrid or manifest something that works without it becoming so administratively heavy. Do, do you have a, a, an exemplification of that or an understanding of how that happens where you still can guarantee to the public interest that the money's being used properly, but it's not so top heavy that it doesn't actually create what you're looking to create?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Scott. I don't have a, uh, a um you know, a, a Australia cycling example that we can pull in or, or a Iceland example that we can, we can cite off the top of my head. I, I think it's a, a lot easier because a lot of the Scandinavian countries are, are smaller, obviously that lends itself to more uh, transparency and ability to be nimble with, yeah. with any system. Um, I, and again, I think it, it goes back to government priority. So no, I haven't seen an example of what you're saying in terms of um, an, an entire country trimming the fat, but we need to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting, too, like, uh, and uh, experientially in Quebec, not knowing every provincial situation, but I know Quebec, uh, and Dom can attest to this, and I'd love to hear your viewpoint on this, Dom, but, you know, there's always been... A real support of developmental sport in Quebec and the provincial sport organization and the, and sort of that infrastructure and even a a sense of pride around the athletes that are developed where, you know, you'll see all these, all these stories on the local press about what the athletes are doing versus you go somewhere else in Canada. Nobody's heard of half the athletes that are doing things. So what have you seen, Dom, going up in Quebec that's sort of different and that people can maybe, um, playoff of that's been a success of the of the Quebec government format and every format has its weaknesses I'm not saying it's the it's the bee's knees but you know there there's there's definitely a difference there from what I've seen Well, well
2: Matt would be able to tell us more about the you know that that developmental stage part of Quebec how much better or worse we are and I'm talking up to 10 years old but definitely for the stages further which they're connected obviously I think Quebec um the difference is how we, you know, we, we talked about Norway earlier. You know, you go to Norway, you open a paper that you don't understand the language of, and you'll see pictures of athletes, and, you know, it's a story about athletes. And if it's not on the front page, it's because there was no event the day before. In Quebec, like, it's a, it's mind-blowing, and people don't often don't realize it outside of Quebec, like, how much, it's never, you know, perfect, we always want more, but the visibility that our athletes have is phenomenal compared to the rest of Canada. We organized a cross-country skiing event on the Plaine d'Abraham. Cross-country skiing, talk about what is known as being a boring sport for Canadians. There was 40,000 people showing up. You put a snowboard event, yeah, much more fun. 30,000 people in Quebec showed up. Mountain biking in Mont-Saint-Anne, it's filled up for the last almost 25 years now. There's something in Quebec where it's maybe the chicken and the egg, but because people are aware of the stories, they hear of the names of athletes, they hear about those events, and suddenly it becomes a happening, and then people show up. Out of those 40,000 people that were on the Plain d'Abraham, I was there actually that day. I mean, there were so many kids suddenly watching cross-country skiing. Like, I'm sure at least, you know, probably like 500 kids that day decided to, you know, or told their parents, I want to do that sport. Right. And if it's 500 people, that's 500 people more. And, and that to me is just an example of things that, that we do, right. It starts with, I think the media, how we value it um, in a society. And that ultimately that creates a culture, right? Like that's the culture that Norway's had for years. I mean, they, they <laughs> they're born into it. And I think in Quebec, we're somewhat born into it. At the same time, Quebec is also, yes, we're doing things in some ways better. But at the same time, often you'll hear that Quebec is a bit of a roadblock to create some, you know, national, you know, program. Uh, Because, oh, we do this already. We don't need to repeat it. Or we, at the governance level, they'll say, well, we have our governance code. Safe sport, same thing. We have our safe sport program. Which, true, they're ahead of most other provinces. But then not being a team player nationally creates a problem. Uh, and I'm on both sides, right? I live in Vancouver and I'm from Quebec and I, I see it. So there's great examples there of what to do, but it would be better if Quebec was actually more present at the table and wanting to collaborate. Mm-hmm. Now, is that what also makes Quebec better? That, that, that fears, that drive, that competitive edge of being like, we're going to take care of ourselves and we're going to do it better. than Anyone else? Yes, a bit. But at the, you know, at the end of the day, we, we live in the same country and I think Quebec should collaborate better. Mm-hmm.
1: I see and, you nodding, Matt. I don't know if it resonates with you, but you know what, Dom? That was really well explained. And and Scott, thanks for asking that question because you're right. That is a good example of exactly what you're talking about, Scott. And and I totally forgot about uh, Quebec and and doing that. So so Dom, that's really good. And I agree with you. Uh, I, I think that it, they are doing they are doing some great stuff. It is culture. And as I was listening to you talk, I was thinking, yep, yeah, culture, 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 mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're driving it through the culture. Of their marketing. They're marketing. They're they're doing the marketing and advertising the right way, not just to the. the they're they're connecting the school and sport. They're connecting the communities and sport. Uh, it, look look across the country. This is what's happening. It, they're being pulled apart instead of coming together, which is what sport was designed to do. So I, I'm really glad you gave that example. But, but we have
2: the phys ed problems. We have all of that as well in Quebec, right? Like it, it's not it's not perfect at that level for yep. sure. But uh, it's
1: a, but it is a good example. And to your point, wouldn't it be great uh, for Quebec to come and lead some of those national conversations and saying, "Well, this is what we're doing." So you know, show us something better, and we'll add that to mm-hmm. or or have you thought about this versus no, we got it. Um, yeah I agree with that yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: One one of the difficult animals in the kitchen that I'm kind of interested in your viewpoint after having the businesses that you've had and had I just ran a, a hockey summit uh, this past June all the exceptional high performance people in in hockey came together one of the underpinning conversations was around this Paradigm of developmental athletics and, and, you know, what parents expect or what they see and what they, th- what they think the pro kid needs to do if he wants to turn pro. And if we take a hockey as an insulated dynamic, you know, there's, there's a lot of demand and a lot of the commentary from some of the different performance people was they all recognize that there's a difference in what they need to do for a developmental athlete and a professional athlete. We, there's no question there. The problem becomes that in order to run a business and to actually effectively, you know, um, get the attention of parents, you're stuck between this idea of what you think is right for the kid or they should be doing and what the expectation of the parent is and whether they're going to walk away from your program because you've decided to do something that's better for the kid but isn't interpreted as (laughs) enough for the kid, so to speak. You're not entertaining them for long enough. You're not pushing them hard enough. You're not doing all these different things. And I'm just wondering from a messaging standpoint, you know, what you've learned over time that you could share with that community. Because I think everybody in that community struggles that, you know, we want to do what's right for the kid. But at the same time, the parents are coming to us and saying, well, you're not doing enough. I'm going to take my kids somewhere else to another program. And so you're stuck between I need to make a living. I need to succeed. I need to have my business. But at the same time, the messaging out there to these parents is all flawed. So your thoughts uh, around that and maybe how you've how you've dealt with that conversation over your career.
1: Great. Another great point. So parents are integral uh, partners to their their child's development and and experiences. I don't think they realize how impactful that they are and I don't think that by and large we the sports sector does a good job of bringing the parents in and not educating. No one wants to be educating, but engaging them in that, in the journey, engaging them in the process. Um, You know, 24 hour rule, don't talk to us. Well, that wouldn't fly if we had a bad consumer experience at a Starbucks or a restaurant and and (laughs) 24 hours beat it. Uh, No, it doesn't fly. And that's because we haven't provided the tools and resources and knowledge to the coaches, to the parents, Um, I'm just going to take you through, through the story. So one of the things that we did was we said, we brought the experience from our bricks and mortar business into the sport world. So we said, and
2: and just when you say we, you mean, just so our listener understand, I always say
1: we, because
2: uh, it it sounded like one of your programs. So I just want to make sure we acknowledge
1: it, but thank you for that. Nothing that I've learned has come, not come from experiences from you or someone else. Like nobody has it in a vacuum or nice. Perfect. Love it. We start the season. We 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 always say we're going to start the season with a mandatory preseason meeting. So you have to show up. So when people come and say, "Matt, can you do parent parent education?" and I, my my answer is, "Okay, uh, you, you know what day is it? Next week uh, we're doing do parent education." I go, "Is it mandatory? No,pe. Okay, is it just the parents or are all the stakeholders going to be there? Just the parents? Okay, have you given the parents two options to attend?" Uh, two nights to attend. Uh, Nope. It's one night. I go, okay, it's going to be five grand. And they say, five grand for an hour. Uh, Well, we can't afford that. And I go, okay, well, do this. Invite the athletes, the coaches, the officials, the parents, the educators, all in one room, give them two options to attend. And it's got to be mandatory. um, And I'll do it for, you know, $500. Oh my God. Okay. Perfect. Why? Because if you're not having this conversation and seeding it, At the beginning and the outset of the year, you're gonna put out spot fires all year long. So we get there and we've done this with soccer, hockey, basketball, lacrosse, flag football, always mandatory preseason meeting. We ask the kids, why are you here? Why are you playing the sport? And they all say, fun, friends, fitness, fun, fun, friends, fitness. And we'll go, okay, parents, what are you doing to support what they just said? And the parents, oh, we drive them, we drop them off. And then we introduce the 12 word parent sport vocabulary. Two when they get out of the car, have fun. Seven when they get back into the car, I just love to watch you play. And three on the weekends when they're complaining about being bored, just go play. So that happens. We, we go around and talk about why we ask the parents what their expectations are. And we keep going until we hear the word development because that's the big buzzword. And so we say, great. Um, develop what? Like what? So I, what do you want your kids? I want them to develop. Well, what does that look like? Develop what? Well, skills, what skills, because most parents use the schedule, the score and the standings as a benchmark for development. It's not the benchmark for development. Um, anyone can go, aggregate a team of top talent and kick the crap out of a lesser team. That's not development. That's just lazy coaching. Um, So we have that conversation with, with the, with the parents and we talk about that. What are you baselining? What's important to you? Well, you know, the skills, what skills, like let's be specific. Uh, We've had, we've been to $30,000 academies where I ask, what are you baselining? What's your baseline metric for these kids uh, beginning of the season Mid season and end of season. What do? You, how are you baselining the kids? Well, we don't baseline. Well then, well then, stop using the word development. If you're not even seeing where the kids are starting, don't use the word development in your sales pitch because it's BS you're using your eyeball test or some guy standing in the middle of a soccer pitch with his jacket on and everyone's kowtowing to them, bringing them coffees to make sure that their kid gets on the Metro team or the team's already been selected. Uh, You know, they are, it's a formality. You just paid your $25 to program to do nothing like there's no one can show you anything. So that's my, our biggest beef. So mandatory preseason meeting, we talk about what we're going to, we talk about, with the coaches, what it is we're going to evaluate the kids on, not just from a technical, tactical, and physical perspective, character. What are you developing from a character? Competence, confidence, connection, social, emotional connection. With the PGA of America, we're doing some work with them. We've broken it down by age and stage. So we have character, three things from, you know, zero to six, Uh, learn to train. We've got three things, honesty, integrity, respect. You know, what does that mean? Where are they? Initial, emerging, competent, proficient. They're self-evaluating. The coach is evaluating them. So that's the holistic development model. And I think that that's one of the organizations, Scott, that's doing a really good job of really bringing that in at the early stages and helping their coaches coach the entire athlete, because we're all watching it. Simone Biles tapped out, Osaka tapped out of the, Matt Wolf tapped out of PGA, you, you know, it, we're tapping out because we're not building that resilience and connection to something greater than the bring you in, get ex, get all we can out of you, and then we toss you out. So back to the mandatory preseason meetings, that happens all the time. We set it down, we talk about the culture, we give parents the option, if this isn't for you, go somewhere else. So Scott, long, long-winded long mm-hmm. way of coming around, go somewhere else. And we talk to the community association and say, if you did all of this stuff, people wouldn't leave because you would be keeping them in the loop as to development, as to coach education, as to all of that stuff. You you would be increasing your what you're doing at the community level. And at the end of the day, kids want to play with their friends. They don't want to leave. They don't want to sit in a car and travel for four and five hours and be gone every weekend at, you know. It, they used to be called tournaments. Now they're called showcases. They don't want to do that. Like they want to be with their friends, having fun with their mates. They want their classmates to come to the arena and watch them. That's, that's mm-hmm. where the, the, or the pitch or whatever it is. That's where the, the, the joy of sport is for a lot of these kids and, and the adults are, are ruining that. So Scott, I know I've, I've digressed a lot here and taken different tangents, but your question was, what do you say to those organizations? You know, it's okay to have an academy academies. What they what academies have done is they've upped the level of expectation for coaching for everybody. And they've said academies have introduced a lot of good development models. Some academies, there's always some good and bad and everything, but they've upped, the expectation of quality coaching and development uh, for everybody. And you can complain about it, or as a community association, you can go, we're going to do that too. Because if you did that, no one would be leaving for better, greener pastures anyway.
0: Mm. Beautiful answer. I, um, you know, this thing, it it can go in so many different directions. I, I, I know I've... <laughs> Ask lots of questions, Dom. Do you have something you want to ask Matt uh, yourself? Oh no,
2: well, I mean, I want to you know bounce on what he he just said so beautifully. I think you know when you ask the kids, uh, you know why they're here. I, I think it's it's such an important question to ask. You know, like often kids are just yeah they're driven to the pitch, they're driven to the field and uh, the track or whatever it is, the pool and you know, I have young kids now, I have a six and an eight years old. And, you know, I I definitely try to ask them what they want to do. And at the end of the day, once they're there, I think it's great if someone external, because as a parent to have that conversation with your kid, it's not always easy. But if it comes from someone like you, an outsider, or even the coach, like, so why are we here? And then you ask it in front of the parent. I think this is awesome, man. So for parents to hear, like, you know, I heard the words you said, right? It was fun, friends, you know, and um, and, and, uh, fitness. And you know, for me, the greatest thing I could see from my kids, and they're not so much in organized sports yet, Um, we do a lot of skiing, biking, and and things like that, that are more individual sports, but uh, my youngest played soccer, and uh, he just, you know, the the way I guess it was presented to him, he just, he, he, he didn't, he didn't find the joy in that sport, and I'm like, which kid doesn't find joy in kicking a ball with his friend, what was wrong, and I, I don't know what it is. I wasn't there too often. I like to leave my kids and I, you know, I watch a bit and it seemed like it was missing a bit that play, play, play time and stuff. You know, at, at, even at five years old, I'm like, you don't need to do drills at that point. Just kick the ball, have fun and keep the fun. In it. Anyway, my long point here is that I think it's an answer that parents need to hear a bit more because I think ultimately our biggest objective, I think, as parents, or it is for mine anyway, and both my wife and I are Olympians. So we love to win. Uh, we love to compete. But if my kid could come back from any of these sports that I have him try right now and just, like, keep doing it on his own in the backyard here, like, from a soccer practice to coming home and wanting to kick the ball again, then I know the coaching staff has done their job. Like, if all they want to do is leave the pitch to come home and open their phone or whatever or iPads, somebody did. You know, didn't do their job because there's no way a kid cannot love kicking a ball or running or jumping or hitting a tennis racket or, you know, like whatever it is. I just, if, if they do so, we just didn't do our job.
1: Yeah. Um, it's and, a great point. It's a great point. And you're right. Yeah. And Scott, I just want to get back to one of the things because we're working with quite a few clubs right now. And, and the, one of the first things that we do is uh, in market research. So I, w- I want to touch on Amanda Visick and Heather, Heather Manning have done a great job. They've studied what kids prioritize. So what, what do kids prioritize and value? Uh, I'm not, not sure if you've seen the study, they, they develop fun maps. They've done really good work in this space. Um, winning for kids and the sample size they chose was number 49. Mm-hmm. It was all, you know, the top priorities were fun, friends, fair play, finishing the season with better skills than they started, uh, you know, and, and the fitness. Um, so that we already know that. So what we, what we ask clubs to do is pre-season mid-season, end-of-season, instead of sending out a questionnaire that's meaningless, like did yep. we publish what we what we set out to as a club, which is a loaded question, ask the athletes, one to ten, how are we doing? Fun, friends, fair play. We know, we know what parents value, safety, development, um, inclusiveness, competition, and opportunity. It's already been studied. Five questions to the parents. One to ten, how are we doing in, in providing that for you? Because a lot of these clubs that we work with will come and say, well, we're doing our strategic plan. And I say, great. Uh, what's the feedback from your consumer? Well, what do you mean? Well, did you do your market research? Like how, you can't develop a strategic plan if you haven't even asked the consumers. <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. And then when you go to ask the consumer, it's not one blanket um, survey at the end of the season where nothing's going to change. That's why people don't fill out surveys because they know you're not going to do anything with them and they're crappy questions. Um, so you got to you got to you gotta get your athletes to answer and you need to get them to answer the question. You want the parents to answer. You want the coaches to answer, the officials to answer. We already know what each one of those stakeholder groups values. The administration, those are the key stakeholders. Ask them, engage them, bring them on the journey. That boils into culture. Um, if you bring them on the journey, then they're going to be more apt to ebb and flow with with the different things that you're doing. Um, You know, they're going to say, okay, I'm a part of this. Thank you for recognizing uh, and be transparent with that. You know, if, if you get your survey back and you're a level three at fun, um, then guess what you're doing with your coaches in your next coaches meeting. Hey, listen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we need to increase the fun factor. How, how Scott, you're a coach. How do you think we're going to do that? dumb? what do you do? Mm-hmm. And they bring that together. That doesn't happen. Coaches don't even meet together. There's like, they don't even have coach meetings. There's no boot room. Um, there's no forum for conversation and sharing. Like, so all, a lot of what we're talking about is a communications issue is an operations issue is just thinking about the process of sport. You know, one of the things that we've just gotten into, is we've we've created a course and it's an 18 week course on the business of sport. So we're going to start offering it it's going to run from January until May and then it's going to run the second part from June until October and we're going to have cohorts come together. So we want, you know, different groups coming together uh, from different soccer clubs across the country so that they can share best practice so that they can lead through the process and we always start with culture what is it how do you create it uh, how do you communicate it internally externally how do you live it so that it's not something that just sits on your wall and no one can reiterate um you know what's your purpose mission values how are they coming through how does that drive your customer avatar? How does that drive your coach education? So we get culture, then we get into operations. So your customer avatar, HR, onboarding, how to find, attract, retain, and grow your club membership, um, you know, your marketing and communication strategy. And then we get into reporting. What are your, your KPIs, your lead indicators, your lag indicators, your financial. I was appalled Scott to, and Dom to find out that there is not a template for finances in the sport of soccer across this country there's not a template so what you have happen is at an AGM hey listen we need a treasurer oh Dom okay perfect thanks for putting your hand up you're the treasurer and then two weeks later uh, or two years later oh yeah Dom made off with 2.1 million dollars of embezzlement like of course he did like (laughs) you know that's not how you you don't pick someone randomly at an AGM you know your membership you know that Scott is a CPA and you go, Scott, I need your help, but here's how I'm going to make it easy for you. And, and, and here's the templates. This is all we need you to do. Can I do this? What else do we need? Make it easy for them.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Instead
1: of every year we're starting over again, every year, the insanity and the chaos starts. And that's where you get the. Everyone's just complaining all the time. Well they're complaining all the time because you haven't done a good job of articulating your product product. Well,
0: Yeah. So this this next one's going to be a big animal to to slay at the end here, but um, hopefully we can bring some context to it. There's, it always comes down to there's a form of, as you said, I would call it cultural leadership that somebody somebody took the bull by the horns and actually defined what it is you were going to do structurally. Then it's where you put your money. So, you know, put your money where your mouth is and you engage the right people, et cetera. And then there's a certain amount of volunteerism. But I think what it often happens in, in these organizations is the volunteerism comes first and people get sort of Disenchanted with over over giving and under under you know there being an under delivery at some point point. and that's at all of, this is at the highest performance levels and the and the developmental levels, um, and so then everybody always says well we don't have enough money and you have to put money at it there's not enough money that and that becomes that circular conversation but the bottom line is. Where do you invest the money and who are the the linchpin characters in the in the mosaic that create the dynamics that then inspire the volunteers to come on board and you see that in these little microcosms. Whether it's Jamaican sprinting, whether it's Russian, um, you know, female uh, tennis development, whether it's, you know, freestyle skiing in Quebec, there's these little microcosms. We find them all over the world where you get this coach who's given all their, their love, the community comes around it, people give to it, and the athletes are inspired by it. What we're trying to create is take that and, and scale it but the scalability always comes down to who do you engage first and where do you put the money because if you don't have if you don't have the right principal players you can't depend on volunteerism because people get disenchanted very quickly so i know it's a big question but what's your thought around something like that how do you instigate what's the fire ignition switch to to create the the thing that keeps things going because you can have the big plan. You can have all the structure. You can have all that stuff, but people have to deliver on it at the end of the day. Quick break here. And we'll be back in a couple of seconds with our podcast guest. I've often been asked, how do I do what you do? What books or courses should I take? And for a long time, I had no real answer to that question. Delivering the concepts and practices we now call reconditioning was this compilation of so many ideas, concepts, methods, and strategies. But seven years ago, Jamie and I set out to answer that very question by creating one systematic process that would help you bring it all together and supercharge the skills and systems you already know. You see, reconditioning is not about excluding anything no it's about being inclusive holistic proactive and curious it's about having an operating system that grows with you and supports you in your human performance practice we want you to be the reconditioning professional everyone wants to work with so you can determine your value and explore the possibilities of success for more information about becoming a reconditioning professional today head over to www.reconditioninghq.com and download the free video explaining our powerful 5Rs practice for improving mobility. A new era of performance training is upon us. Maximize your isometric endurance, strength, and functional performance with the all-new Isofit MSK. No matter what your sport, Isofit will help best prepare your body to tolerate the forces associated with it. This not only reduces your chances of sustaining career-limiting injury, it will also enhance your ability to perform at your highest level. I really like what Brad Thorpe and Isofit are doing, and I encourage you to learn more about their mission by visiting www.isofit, that's isofit with a P-H, msk.ca. So isofitmsk.ca today. And remember to use the discount code, leave your mark, three separate words to save $500 off your Isofit MSK purchase. Matrix Fitness is about performance innovation and I'm proud to have them with me on the Leave Your Mark podcast. They recently named my good friend and awesome performance coach Mark Fitzgerald as their head of performance team, which is a bold statement for anyone who wants to know they're working with the best. Matrix has all kinds of interesting lines of equipment. The Matrix Glute Trainer addresses the discomfort, inefficiency, and danger of working with loaded barbell during hip thrusts. The Matrix Glute Trainer accommodates resistant bands and weight resistance and is customizable to different body types and sizes, endorsed by many and comes at a cost below others on the market. The Matrix S drive is a sprint performance treadmill that supports sprint training, resisted sled pulls, and pushes all on the frame of a standard treadmill. The seven feet by three foot footprint of the s-drive is non-motorized and is perfect for coaches who do not have access to a track or want to provide coaching in real time with the athlete the non-motorized feature and flexibility in a simple machine keeps benefits high and investment low for more information or a free consult go to TeamUpwithmatrix.com forward slash ca today we're back enjoy the rest of this podcast
1: yeah and that's a leadership issue scott that's a great question and it's a great point i I know you know the answer um so that's a leadership who's leading the organization because it's going to boil down to to that person uh, and their ability to inspire to motivate to engage to attract like-minded people to not put up with any nonsense to raise the bar on volunteerism hey listen we we understand and appreciate your volunteering so we're going to create the best volunteer onboarding uh, process that we can be. Now there's going to be a little push and pull because there's going to be some stuff that you don't want to do, but you know what? We can't put anyone, this isn't, this is our standard. We're not putting anyone in front of the kids that's here. So you got to be here. So if, and, and Hey, listen, if it doesn't work for you, totally respect that. That's my job as a leader to go out and find people that it does work for. And I'm not going to, uh, you know, you know, well, no coach is or a coach is better than no coach BS. That's not true. Um, uh, One coach can ruin to all of our points. This whole conversation can ruin 1735 young experiences for a long time. So, you know, it's that, it's that leader that's unwavering in their commitment to high standard. And, you know, where do we get those leaders would probably be your next question. We don't do a good, good enough job developing them. We don't give them resources and tools. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give this example. I come from a franchise background. There's three people, in our ecosystem of any successful franchise franchise general manager franchisee each of those groups has two primary responsibilities franchise promote the hell out of the business eyeballs events money you name it that's what the number one job of the franchise is at the same time their number one job is to create the operating system because they're the most resource that makes it as easy as possible for the franchisees to have success so in our business whether the franchisee wanted to make money, uh, impact, community, scale, whatever it is, we had to listen to that franchise and make it easy for them to succeed if we wanted them to be a successful franchise. Okay. So that's the two responsibilities. General manager, make sure the franchisees are operating in compliance with the operating system, their accountability, any issues, innovation or problems, solve them or bring them up or make the whole thing better. And then franchisee, make sure they're operating in compliance with the operating system and promote the heck out of the business. I've said operating system three times. You cannot find me anywhere in the world where a national governing body or national sport organization has created a step-by-step operating system for the grassroots level of sport. They haven't, nobody has. So that hair go the finger pointing. This is why we have an NSO, B to 10 like Canada. If you look at the tier and the hierarchy of sport management, it's 21 layers deep in the United States. They have United States Olympic and Paralympic committee. And then they have the feeder system, which is called the NCAA. And then they have the national governing bodies. They have three. And then the local community sport organizations, they have four tiers for 350 million. We've got 21 tiers for 35 million. Mm -hmm. So, that's the responsibility um, and leadership, Scott. We need a leader that's experienced in leading business in the business of sport. You don't say, Hey, you were a great player. So now we want you to be the technical director and not level that person up with the appropriate business skills or, okay, now you're going to be an executive director because you were a technical director. Okay. Well, Did you have to take any courses? Do you know any business management? Do you know how to run a a spreadsheet? Can you look at a budget and forecast? You ask any technical director and executive director of any soccer club, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone that knows all that. What's your marketing and communication strategy? What are your key messaging? They don't know any of that because it hasn't been provided. So we look at, and we say all the time, NSO, NGB, you're the franchisor. Yes, promote, you're doing half your job. All you're worried about is lanyards at... Olympics and I went here and I went on the bus and the plane and flew first class. That's great. But your job is also to create that operating system. Then the PSOs should be the general managers uh, and they need the power to lever and say to a local community club, you're out of compliance. You got 30 days to fix it. Here's all the resources. If you don't fix it, you're out of the system. You're not getting funded. So until, until we get to that point where we have, the the willpower to do that. We're gonna see the SOS uh, happen all the time. Everyone points their fingers. It's not my job. Uh, why would I even be involved? If a PSO disappeared in Canada right now, what would change? Nothing. It would probably get better. Like clubs would find a way to operate. Like so that can't be. You can't run a system where you don't. That PSO general manager doesn't have any clout or leverage or respect. And then mm-hmm. the PSOs are saying to the NSOs, "Well, you're telling us to give us your best athletes, but you're not giving us any help or resources or money, so yeah. it's just a finger pointing." So, yeah, well, uh, the, the,
2: the funding model perpetuates that as well in Canada, right? Like, so you know, for those who are not from Canada, like in Canada, like an NSO, a national sports organization, uh, let's say Soccer Canada, Ski Canada, whatever. Uh, their funding is based on the medals they win at the Olympics in a way. Um, and that perpetuates what Matt is saying right now, right? And if you look at the mission of most of the NSO, I haven't looked at them in you know the last two years, to be honest. But if I go back five, 10 years ago, I would say 90% of them was winning medals at world championships in the Olympics. Well, that's great. I, I think it should be part of, but if it's your main objective as a national sport organization, to me, that's a, a big problem. And I've seen some, I think, Cycling Canada has changed theirs uh, to having, like, having more people on bikes, you know, which, you know, at the end of the day, I think that makes more sense because if we have more people at the base, if we have more people that, you know, don't fall off the map at the provincial level, as you're saying, Matt, well, ultimately, you know what, like, let's use Sydney Crosby because everyone knows him. Sydney Crosby will find its way up to the National Hockey League. 100%. Alex Bilodeau will find his way up to the World Cup level, my wife jennifer al would find i mean they all need help obviously but these prodigies these spectacular athletes if you provide them with the right base the right foundation they'll come up so if you only worry about the top part of what happens at the end of their career while well, we you're you're getting these athletes anyways like they'll be there you know the penny alexiak will be there now how many Maybe penny minus one are you missing because we're not having these programs out there. There's probably a lot of penny minus one in this country that we've lost over the years. And I'm not, I don't mean to blame Swimming Canada it's because I'm using names that everyone knows, right? So I think ultimately, and I, I'm not against the targeted funding. I think some of it should should be targeted, yes. But maybe in Canada, like, I don't know if, if you see this as a problem as well, Matt, but I, I think... That might be a big part of the issue here.
1: Um, and it, and we're always and or we need correct to and yeah. and top mm-hmm. down bottom up Fun high performance fun grassroots and, mm-hmm. and. Um, and like you said you'll get more and and, and arguably Dom great point we'd probably get more high performance if we got out of the way of some of these young aspiring athletes coming through the system. So, so yeah, Scott, Scott, going back to your question, it it is 100% leadership. And without question, we need better leadership at almost every level of sport in this country. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry if that's, if that's offensive to some, no, it's, it's not meant to be offensive, but the stats don't lie. On yeah, your what? Okay. If high performance is your benchmark, hockey, you've lost 32% market share because uh, over the last 20 years, now there's 42% of players in the NHL that are, are Canadian content. It used to be 72%. Now, have other countries done a good job? Yeah, but why haven't we still done a good job? Because yep. we're arrogant. Um, so if that's your benchmark, high performance and market share, not good. Uh, over five years pre COVID, you lost 111,000 registered players in Canada. Now you can give the ex- excuses that they went to academies and they're not registered or whatever. You've lost that revenue. If I was doing so from a participation perspective, uh, participation down mm-hmm. from a high performance perspective, high performance down. W- where does that fly in any other company? If I was the lead of that organization, guess yeah. what I'd be doing tomorrow fishing. Cause I'd have a pink slip, w- but we let it continue and it just continues. And we have excuses and we point fingers and, like it's, it's not, that's not leadership. That's not effective. Yeah.
2: And, and you mentioned NCAA, you know, in reference to the States as one of their four pillars of sport. Um where should that sit in Canada? Like the university roles in our programs in sports. And I know we can again go another 30 minutes, but maybe in a few minutes, like, how do you see that if they should play a role or not yeah, in Canada?
1: Absolutely. It needs to be elevated. It needs to be elevated. Um, we need to, uh, to make our universities much more attractive. You guys have hit this time and time again, Scott, I think it was you. It's that whole money thing. Well, we don't have the money. Right? Okay. Well, you have to do something to break out of that. So you do have the money. Like, otherwise you're never going to have the money. And it just keeps going in that circular conversation. Like you pointed out, uh, universities are, are key and we know this, like, let's look at Dom, um, the role, of the CAC coaching. So coaching in Canada is centralized. Why? You've got unbelievable universities right across the country. If you took a course and put a coaching course in university, because let's call quality coaching, let's call it quality parenting, quality managing, quality being a human, quality being a good partner. Leadership applies to everyone. So why aren't we having these leadership courses and discussions in high school and and universities where we can better tie those people to their Mm -hmm. communities, tie those people to where they live and where they're practicing instead of having to wait for uh, a sitting from the CAC coming to Vancouver or going to New Brunswick. That, that, that is so pointless. But again, Scott, this is the territorialness. Well, the CAC gets funding, so we've got to justify ABC. Okay, CAC, then call the universities and say we want to work together because isn't that what we're trying to tell our kids in sport? Work together? Why aren't mm-hmm. you doing it? And, and, and invite the knowledge from right across the country, to your point about Quebec, Dom, let's get that knowledge at the table and say, here, this is what we're doing. And, and we're going to disseminate that. So, yes, the universities have a big job to play in coaching, in, in attracting kids. Look at what's happening in the NCAA now with name, image, and likeness. If you're not on the ball in Canadian universities, why would any kid want to stay in Canada for a $5,000 scholarship when they can go to Div 3, 2, or 1 in the States and make money off their name, image, and likeness? So if mm-hmm. you haven't been preparing Canada, you're about to – you're about to get hurt. If you haven't been paying attention, you're about to see a, a mass exodus to the South.
0: Wow. Yeah. Well, you know what? I had a feeling this was going to be a great conversation. <laughs> it's uh, been great to meet you and uh, we can never solve all the problems, but I think we, d- we dug into the pit of, uh, of, of, of it and got uh, some juicy bits out of it. So hopefully people will take some, some good things away and thanks for your time today.
1: Scott, thanks so much for having me and letting me go off on my tangents. Dom, great to connect, reconnect, yeah. doing all the great work that you guys are
2: doing. Really appreciate it. No, thanks. And I think you know, it was a long conversation, but there, there are nuggets in there. there. There are solutions. And as to your point, Scott, you didn't want this to be just a bashing session. And if, if, if we listen to that once or twice, I'm sure you'll be like, okay, here's a solution one, solution two, solution three. And if we just focus on that, three solution, bang, you know, we can solve a lot and then create ultimately the culture that we all hope to see in sport in Canada and, in and, and, in the world. Right. So it's awesome. Yeah, I have Matt. to thanks say, I really, art. I
0: really loved uh, what you said about, you know, meeting with the first meeting with everybody and everybody's yeah. got to be there. You know, that was, that's a, uh, that's a great point Oof. you make, right? That one I think is absolute gold. So thanks. Uh, cool. Thanks for your time, Matt. And hopefully we'll, uh, you know, bounce into each other physically at some future point and uh, keep doing what you're doing. And where can people find uh, you if they want to tap into the courses you're doing or, uh, or even your, your expertise?
1: Awesome. Thanks for asking It's, it's Matt, uh, at, sorry, it's Matt at get dot com. So we've got FSQ sport um, and we've got a lot of great things. So if people want to come in, there's, there's some freemium to premium. Uh, they can come and take what they want. We're here to make sport better.
0: Cool. Thanks awesome. for having that mission, man. Have a great day. Thanks. Take care. Thanks. Ciao. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today on Leave Your Mark. I hope we've left a mark on you today, and we wish only that you pay it forward by sharing this story, taking the time to rate and comment on this podcast. Please follow us at Twitter at Built by Scott and Instagram at KingOpain and become a member of this community at Scott G. Livingston on Facebook. Have a great day. Music by Cedric de Saint-Rome.